Hi, listeners, and welcome to the second episode of Our Dramatic Assets. I'm Ryan McGregor. And I'm Rebecca Ann Bloom. Our Dramatic Assets is a podcast where we talk about our lives, cover a different topic each podcast, and discuss our experiences working in the creative industry. Today, we are going to be discussing why we decided to make a podcast. I just want to start by thanking everyone who has listened to us and given us feedback. It's been so good. I sincerely appreciate those of you who have found us wherever your podcasts are and downloaded it. Thank you so much. And then also thanks to our friends and family for taking some time out of their day and listening. So good. Love you all. Let us know. What you would like to see in the future, we do have an Instagram, so please give us a follow on there. It is ODA Podcast, so that's our Instagram handle. Follow there. We'll post whenever we have a new episode up, as well as like funny memes and funny things that we find throughout the week. Ooh, yes. So yeah, that's that's an update from us. I guess we'll get started on the topic, which is why we made this podcast. (laughs) It is, which is a very big question. Why the name? I guess I created the name, and it's because I talk about a lot of my friends, especially Ryan, but a lot of my friends in the creative industry as overly dramatic, (laughs) because we are. And I'm like, oh my goodness, we're so dramatic, like are dramatic. And then I would typically say a word there. (laughs) We all know what that word is. We all know what that is, because some of you have commented and not seen the rest of our tagline and been like, ah, that's so fitting. And I'm like, you forgot the ETS, those friends. <laughs> we added the ETS, so assets, because we like to think that we have so much to give to the world as well as our industries. And we have so much potential that we hope that we are assets for the future, for building up our future world. But also it's just funny spoof on a swear word, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> Uh, I'm I make myself laugh. I don't know if y'all are laughing, but I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, and also someone pointed out to me that I don't know what ODA stands for. Like, does that already stand for something else that we don't know the meaning of? Does it? And we're just gonna be shocked one day to find out that it's something completely what we didn't expect. I hope not either, but. Oh my god. I hope not. I didn't think of that. ODA's Ontario Dental Association. It stands for the Ontario Dental Association. (laughs) That's hilarious. We just need to own it now. Well, we have the name pod, like the word podcast afterwards, so. (laughs) That that clears it up. (laughs) I don't think the Ontario Dental Association has a podcast. Unless they do, in which case, you know, get it. Oh, no. It's also the Official Development Assistance Accountability Act. Okay, fair. (laughs) Well, that leads us into our next question is why are we making a podcast? And actually, one of the things I stumbled across was the fact that it's really popular now for all like corporations to actually have their own podcast. Mm. So everybody's jumping on that bandwagon. There's a lot of content out there. I did see a meme about... Like when self-isolation first started about how people were like, no, don't start your own podcasts. We don't need to know how to make bread like 12 different ways. Well, it's a happy little loaf, isn't it? There's just so many 
different things that you can talk about that there should be just different podcasts like not everyone's going to want to learn about mental well-being not everyone's going to be into crime stories or ghost stories or entertainment stories there's just different niches for everyone and i like that there are different podcasts that relate to it exactly one thing i haven't seen a lot of either is the concept of sharing experiences in arts and entertainment i want listeners to get to know us and connect with that vibe i feel like that would be great that is one of our goals but podcasts are also great because they're like netflix or like your television it's this whole concept of when people want when they want it and my i want to say my first like love of media came from listening to radio which is essentially the same thing as podcast. And I remember being in high school and they had this morning radio show. And I was like, that's super cool. Like I wanted to be on the radio show and they got to play their music. And it was like, have you ever seen that show radio free Roscoe? Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my God. What a great show. Now I'm just going through my memory bank of the episodes that I did and didn't like and why. Very good show. And also, my first experiences, I think, were like going to and from choir practice with my dad. And he would always listen to, is it 98.1? Yeah, but it wouldn't be, like, it would be some of those regular talk show hosts, uh, radio hosts, but it would also be the John Tesh radio show. I think that's the name. Yeah. I feel like I should look it up. But does that sound familiar? He would, like, give, like, insightful facts and stuff. Um, stop John Tesh Radio. Is that? Yes. That's, oh, that's what he looks like? Oh. <laughs> that's not what I expect at all. <laughs> and that's the thing is you never know what people look like because you're just listening to their voice. I mean, you never, you don't think of it as much until you see a picture of them. His intelligence for your life radio. Intelligence for your life radio show. Yes. That is what I remember. Oh my goodness. It airs on nearly 300 stations. Huh. Wow. This guy. Revolutionary. He really started. He really started the, the movement. Exactly. Once you get to that level, people recognize you by your voice. They know that that's you. And I feel like if I heard him on the radio, I would know that this is his show. And that I was about to learn something interesting or ponder something. It was just going to make my day or brighten my day while you're driving or while you're in the kitchen or wherever you listen to that kind of content. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's that mm-hmm again. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> this, I think, goes into the next question, too. What are we trying to achieve in our lives? <laughs> It's a lot of pressure to answer it in a short podcast. Yeah. Uh, You first. (laughs) I'll be honest. I feel like as a young working professional, I haven't tried a lot of things to know what I want entirely. So the goal is I want to achieve my full creative potential. And the only way to do that is by trying. Wow. I feel like in recent time, I've made a lot of changes in my life. And I've moved and I've grown up and I'm ready to show the world that I can achieve the success that I set my mind to. That's the standard that I think I hold for myself. Yeah, absolutely. 
I saw a quote yesterday, so I posted on my Instagram story. I wonder if it's still there. No, my Instagram story is just covered with uh, highlights from a mouse being in my house, which was dry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, for anyone <laughs> that would like to see those harrowing tales, follow me on Instagram, B-E-C-K dot E-R underscore. It's Becker, and I will, I will put those as highlights so that you can see me have a low-key meltdown over having a mouse in my house but what i was trying to find was the quote so i found the quote and it said decide which kind of life you actually want then say no to everything that isn't that and that resonates with me so much and that's kind of how i want to live my next at least my next couple of years if not the rest of my life because there are elements of my life right now and i kind of, we kind of touched on that in our first podcast episode that i'm not overly satisfied with and I don't think they fit into where I would like to be. And it seems silly f- for me slash anyone to put your energy into something that you might not be satisfied with, that you don't want to pursue actively anymore, because it's just it's wasting your energy that you could be putting towards something else. As you were saying, like that, the potential for creativity, you just want to want to prove yourself. That's where I'm at as well. And it's rather daunting, I think. I don't know if that's how you feel, but I feel intimidated by the standard that I want to put myself at. Yeah, it is. Because so many other people also do it. And you may or may not be the most talented person, but it's also how you carry yourself. And if you believe in your talents, then... It doesn't matter. You're going to be successful and you should be doing this and you shouldn't be talking yourself down even before you do it. But that's the hardest part. I feel like I stole that a bit from Whoopi Goldberg. She was recently talking about this in uh, a show I was watching called RuPaul's Drag Race. If anybody else watches. That's Whoopi 101, I think. She gives some really good advice on being confident. And even if you're not a stand-up comedian or the the most amazingly trained actor that you can still find your niche that really resonates with me too everybody's got something to give yes yeah wow again with those sound bites friend so good thank you you're welcome i guess that kind of transitions into our other question how do we identify? And that's such a broad question, a broad topic to kind of touch on. So we didn't really, we're not really pegging ourselves into a certain box, but I mean, we can touch on a few kind of identity, personality things that we know kind of for sure that we fit. This sounds fun. She says confidently, <laughs> question mark. Yeah, please do. Yeah. So one of the things we talked about a bit was our kind of our introvert versus extrovert selves so i definitely 100,000 percent identify as an introvert but i'm also a bit of an extrovert and being an extroverted introvert wild i don't i don't know how people do it i don't know because i don't do it very effectively like balancing being out and enjoying times with your friends i mean we can't really do that right now but like having that great time but then also like finding that self that time to self-charge when you have a billion other commitments yeah that's i don't know how to do it do you know how to do it can you offer some advice 
I just want to say though, when you're out with friends, you you're giving it a hundred percent. You want people to have a good time with you, and even if you're not like feeling the most social, you are here and at this event, you're like, I'm gonna put this effort in, and I appreciate that because people don't know that takes a lot of effort for some people. That doesn't come naturally. I just try to be myself, and then if people like it then that's great. That's what I want because I feel like I'm a pretty likable, approachable person. I identify as someone, hopefully, that you can come to as a friend like and talk about anything with or anything that needs to be discussed. I'm like, just let's just let's just talk it out. Let's be friends. Let's talk it out. Yeah, I can definitely resonate with that trait. I'm like, oh, my God, are we doing that right now? <laughs> <laughs> we are. <laughs> But in university, you were always the one friend I knew that I could, like, mention something to, whether it was basic, like, the fact that I'm drinking my first drop of water and it's 8 p.m. And you would be like, absolutely, get hydrated, proud of you. Stay hydrated. Or if it was something, like, <laughs> really more dramatic. <laughs> yeah, stay hydrated, people. But it could be anything more more intense. We went through so much through university. We grew up both quickly and slowly in some elements. And then once we were out of university, I think we grew up quicker because we were just literally out thrust into the world. But I always knew that I could like message you and you would reply either that day or sometime relatively soon with some form of support. That goes into what we also want to talk about as far as friendship transitions. I also think I, I behave like an extrovert as in I, I enjoy being social and being around my friends. But I think the difference is most extroverts have a big circle of friends, whereas I prefer to have a smaller group of friends that are closer, hopefully. And in university, the one thing you got in common is you all have the same classes together, or you see each other on the bus or wherever walking to class. And then when that's over, that circumstance that links you together is gone. And you're just like, well, I don't even know you anymore let's just not even talk and i'm like that's so sad but sometimes that's what happens in life yeah not only that school-based transition but workplace transition because i have hopped through a variety of jobs you have too in the last couple of years and i think the thing that shocks me is the fact that once you leave a workplace you don't tend to communicate with your friends that you would talk to daily either as often or at all because that commonplace is not common to you anymore and that's something i did not realize as a young 20 year old i now realize that that can happen very quickly but coming out of a job and not having your like quote unquote best work colleague support there wild i was very thrown by that yeah I mean, it's a breakup, kind of. That's how it feels. Absolutely. Yeah, you spend every day with this person, hours and hours, and then all of a sudden, you don't see them anymore. I also realized this, that it's so weird. The friends that you make in your job don't stay with you. And I'm like, why? But then I'm like, they weren't really, they weren't really your friend outside of work. They might have been your friend at work. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you have things in common outside of that. Mm -hmm. My mom used to tell me when I was younger, and we would go, we would either travel to places or I would just have friends, but then we would just 
not communicate anymore, that she would call them little while friends. And I was thinking about that like last week, little while friends. And basically she would tell me, she'd be like, enjoy your time with them. And then if you say goodbye, just be like, so long, little while friend. And oh, I like that. Oh my gosh, that makes me want to cry. (laughs) But that's like, that's literally how life works. And I struggle with that. Like, I will be 100% honest right now. Like, every day I think um, I do the really cute thing that anxious people do and uh, reflect on a conversation from years ago (laughs) or a friendship from a while back. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, man, I wish I hadn't said that. Or maybe if I had said something else, we would be in a different spot right now, blah, 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 blah. Very relatable. But it's... Like, it's like what you said, it's a breakup and you literally go through a period of intense grief or maybe not intense. It's intense for me. Everyone's grief is different, but you definitely go through a period of sadness and mourning. And people don't talk about friendship breakups. They talk about romantic breakups or like the death of a person that you care about. I agree. But friendships are just as hard to leave if not maybe more because you kind of expect a friendship to last through a lot of things through some of the other turbulent times in your life and that's the thing is they naturally they fade out as you get older and your circumstances change and i like what you said about how we place a lot of emphasis on romantic relationships versus friendships have you ever like gone on a date with someone or like it hasn't worked out and they're always like oh can we just be friends and I'm always like, being friends is a big deal. It's not the easy way out here. It's not, we're just not going to be friends just because we couldn't be romantic partners. Like, if we're going to be friends, we're going to be actually good friends or else what's the point? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. There are so many layers that I would love to touch on about this. First of all, I feel like that you're correct. It's kind of like a cop out being like oh we didn't like connect romantically but you know we can we can still hang out or whatever that's it i'm really upset by the phrase hangout at this point in our existence in the world because hangout has too many meanings i associate hangout with having a good time with friends but there's this other layer now where hanging out implies that you're hanging out with someone but you're not dating you're hanging out, but you're not a couple yet. But you still do all the coupley things. And I'm like, can we please have a distinct definition of if you're not dating, please don't call it hangout. Because <laughs> it just, I had so many issues dating before I met my current partner, Jeff, because we're either dating or we're not dating in my brain. I'm very black and white that way, I guess. Yes. And a lot of the guys I would go out with, they'd be like, well, we're just hanging out. I'm like, what, what What? box does that put me in? Am I like a friend? Am I your buddy? Or do you just, are we hanging out because you want to sleep with me? Like what? Hmm. I know. So complicated, right? Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like what you're saying is people should have boundaries and Everything in life is a spectrum, and some people are either one way oriented or another, but most people actually tend to fall in the middle, and most people actually don't know what they want until it's right in front of them. Some people can't commit to certain things. Like Everybody's just at a different spot, but honesty is the best policy. Yes. And 
it's so hard to understand everyone and where they're coming from. So you can only know what you want yourself. And oh my gosh, that's so true. If it doesn't make sense, if you know it's not right and you know this is appropriate, then you, you have to leave it. Let's do you mind if we delve a little bit deeper? I feel like this wasn't in our topic list, but I'm so intrigued. So I want to ask you a question. Yes. So dating for you, did you, how do I phrase this? When did you kind of figure out that you needed to state your boundaries, like what you felt was acceptable at what stage or what you were not looking for? When did you, A, figure out that that's something that you had to do so that your dating process was was smoother and more comfortable for you? But also, when did you kind of breach that boundary setting stage in your dating process like was it first date like right out of the gate being like boom 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 or was it like ooh, let's feel it out for a couple dates and then if it seems like it's going okay then we can bring that up yeah this is a tricky one in my experience you should be honest right off the bat but expectations change the longer you know somebody the longer you talk to someone or you go on like a few dates from the very beginning they're gonna get a sense of who you are and what you want And sometimes you're just not compatible with someone else. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you can move on to someone who is and not take it so personally. I don't know if that, did that answer both parts? Yes. Okay. I absolutely agree. The one thing that I kind of found was, (laughs) was like either we're going to continue with the relationship or not continue or with the, the potential of the relationship was kids and I didn't find that out until yeah like I was like 23 probably so I dated quite a few people by that point but I realized this after I was in a relationship with someone you met this person a couple times if not more but we dated for like nine or so months almost a year and I kind of talked to him about kids kind of towards obviously towards the end of our relationship and I explained about the chances of me having biological kids because I have a heart condition. It's, it's harder. Like there's no, I mean, childbirth in itself, there are no set rules for it. Like who knows what will happen for every individual that tries, but it's definitely riskier when someone has a heart condition. Okay. And so I kind of just brought it up casually one day and mentioned that like, it's going to be more difficult slash it might not be something I actively want to pursue just because it because your heart is pumping for not you but for a child yeah. as well so it just it weakens your heart and so i've always been pro adoption i am adopted bless my lovely parents our, our adoption anniversary is coming up next week actually 25 years congrats thank you <laughs> thanks to the blooms as well cheers yeah but I brought that up and I was like, I love the idea of adoption because there's so many kids as well that could have a home and I would love to offer a home to them. And he was not open by any way, shape or form about it. He said he would only love a biological child. And one, okay, cool. Two, probably should have asked that question earlier on. And three, I was like, oh no. I feel like the only reason that a lot of people place more emphasis on biological versus adopted is because society put that message out there and people just think that, but they don't really question why they think that. 
why does it matter if they're biologically yours or not? They're still your kids. You are still a parent. Mm. Nothing changes that. When you decide you're going to be a parent, you are always a parent. And the process of adoption, you may know the ins and outs of it better than me, but it's a lot. So these people and individuals that want to adopt really do want to adopt because they went through the whole process of doing it. And this is nothing against biological, but not everyone can do that. So why is it not normal? Yeah, there's a lot of stigma around adopting. I mean, I know there's a lot of financial issues for sure, but I definitely know there is less excitement for an adopted child versus a biological child. I don't understand why. Like, it makes me sad because you're still bringing a child into your house. And so I ended up choosing to bring up kids a lot sooner before people and I, people, but myself and that other person would establish, like, we were even in a relationship. I would be like, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on kids? What are your thoughts on adoption? Because A, if they didn't want kids, that was kind of like a no-go. I'm not saying I'm committed to the idea of having kids, but I definitely want to. Yeah. That didn't make sense at all. It did. I don't know how to explain that. It's like, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But I would love to explore that possibility, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. And you don't have to decide right now at this very moment Mm -hmm. either way. Yeah, exactly. The situation described is tricky because sometimes even in, in this situation, was this the only thing about this person that directly conflicted with you? So no. No, that was definitely like a punch in the gut moment, like a yeah. let's kind of rethink where this relationship is going. And upon reflecting, I'm like, wow, you know, maybe we're not overly compatible. Like maybe we shouldn't be together, which I think that every relationship you learn something about who you are and what you what you're looking for in your life. And so I never think certain relationships are a waste of time unless they are damaging, like unless they're not healthy, in which case. That's like a whole other topic, and I'm so sorry for anyone that has gone through that. Um, yeah. Because that's, that's not good. And so I, I feel for those people, but in terms of ones that just, in terms of relationships that just didn't work out, and I have quite a few of them, I definitely learned a lot from them and learned kind of where I stood, like in terms of kids, finances, expectations. And so moving into my current relationship, I was telling my parents this actually this week, that Jeff and I had these conversations early on kind of before we started dating and at the beginning of our dating relationship because it's just important it's important like that goals align up like it's hard to go through life as it is yeah don't necessarily make it harder on yourself to go through life with someone that might not suit you (laughs) that makes sense it's a little selfish i guess but like there's no obligation to date romantically or be in any sort of relationship some people choose to be single some people just have friends some people identify in so many different ways in what they want and what they prefer and so in 2020 you don't need to be in a relationship certainly not it's not going to fulfill you in every single aspect if you're not prepared for it It just could actually just cause drama if it's not the right fit and we are all about staying dramatic but in that aspect in that in that sense, we are not. You don't want that. You just be proud of who you are and be the best you can be. 
because there's nothing wrong with you being different and there's so many other people out there. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? <laughs> so true. Did you have issues being single? Like, was there any stigma that you felt as a single person? I think dating is really weird because they're strangers. A lot of them are strangers, if not all of them, at first. <laughs> <laughs> You have so much about, like, how this person's going to fit into your life or not. And you, like, fantasize about it. And then two weeks later, you got to tell all your friends. So they're they're gone. It didn't work out. And then they're like, oh, okay, on to the next one. And it's just that cycle just repeats itself. Yeah. When you break it down like that, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a fair point. I think... From my standpoint, being single was really hard because a lot of our friends were not. And so I don't, I really want to break down that stigma of being the single one out because that's so toxic. Like that is, that is a power dynamic that we just shouldn't have really, I don't think, in society. There's nothing wrong with being single and I don't understand it's still so ingrained in society, especially in faith-based religions, too. The active pursuit of a partner is a goal for some people, but not for everyone. And I feel very terrible for people that feel uncomfortable if their goal is not that. Yes. Because you, as someone that was single for a very long time, being in friend groups of people that were couples, I'm sorry, I felt like crap. Like, I know they did their best to make sure I didn't feel like the fifth, third wheel whatever number <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's hard it's so hard and i really wish i mean i don't know what you and i can do just as two people but i mean maybe we can spread the word and more people can start thinking about it if we could just knock down that stigma that would be so lovely because there will be people that have chosen to stay single and there are people that may not have found someone mm -hmm. but are okay with that and are still living their best lives, still doing whatever they want to do. And we should make the environment feel safe and comfortable for them. That's a really fair point. How would we do that? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I have lots of great thoughts, but in terms of implementing them, I'm not sure. But I know from my experience, the going out activities w were hard. Just because everyone would be like, oh, I'm bringing so-and-so, I'm bringing so-and-so. And then say it was like a team thing, like an escape room. Like everyone would be divided evenly with their couple partner. And then there'd just be like me <laughs> just being like... Hi. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's so sad. I just picture you there, like alone, being like, I'm smart. I'm, I'm going to do this on my own. I know exactly what's happening. Meanwhile, I didn't. I had absolutely no idea. But <laughs> I would be too scared to do an escape room by myself. It was so stressful. But then another thing was like going out to eat. And the waitress would be like, okay, so how are the bills? And everyone would be like, oh, he's with me or she's with me or blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, I'm alone. <laughs> I'm paying for myself. Oh, that's funny. Yes, I am getting a fondue, a chocolate fondue for two. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, it's just for me. <laughs> oh, do you want to hear a story? <laughs> yes. 
So the chocolate fondue is a delicious, it was delicious, but it's a delicious story. I guess it was a couple years ago before I went to Florida. I went to the Toronto Christmas market because it's so much fun. You and I have gone. Our friends have gone together with us. and Oh, yeah, we did. It was did. so good. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I went by myself after an audition one day and I was going to meet up with someone <laughs> and then he didn't come. And so I was like, fine, I'm going to take this market on by myself. I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to live my best life. I'm going to enjoy the vibes. I tried very hard to enjoy the vibes, but I was sad because I was stood up. <laughs> And then, and then I was like, fine, I'm going to cheer myself up by going to this cafe and ordering chocolate fondue. One, I'm lactose intolerant. Two, I'm gluten intolerant. So just an overall poor choice. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but I was determined. So I'm sitting there eating my fondue for two. And this man, the waiter comes up and he's like, sorry, we were waiting for that special someone. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> not. And I started crying. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Oh, and he felt I, he felt bad. Like I felt bad that I made him feel bad. So he, because the place was crowded, he pulled the table that had been beside me away, <laughs> 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 so I could cry over my fondue in peace. And then he brought me over a free tea and some napkins, <laughs> and he's like. Stay as long as you want. Don't worry about it. And I was like, thanks. That's <laughs> nice. Trying to make things up, right at least. Yeah, absolutely. I ended up leaving and I forgot my stuff. <laughs> so I had to go back. And then I thought they were closed. And then it turns out they weren't closed. I just couldn't open the door properly. Um, <laughs> but the guy had saved my stuff because he assumed I was emotionally distraught. And so he's like, don't worry, I saved them. I just put them in my locker and I was waiting for you. So he gave me all my Christmas shopping back and it turned out okay. And now it's a funny story that I've told many people and they've all thought it was hilarious. It just goes to show like how impactful eating out alone can be. <laughs> yeah, it's it's also I don't think it's fun. I think that's the problem. <laughs> I just it's not that you can't do it. It's not that it's wrong. It's just you do it and then you're like, oh, I'm just going to sit on my phone the whole time and eat my all-you-can-eat sushi alone and eat this whole roll by myself because there's nobody else here. It's weird. There's no, you don't know where to look. Like, there's nobody to talk to. But I'm sure there's some people that are fans of it. But you know what else? I don't understand. If you're going to stand somebody up, just send them, just send them a text. Just send them a hey. Yeah, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. Yeah. I hope we can reschedule something came up. I don't know. Because honestly, I'm pretty chill. And I feel like you are too. I feel like you understand that things happen, that you don't understand a whole person's reasons for why they need to cancel or not or need to reschedule. Yeah. But at the same time, this is your kind of character that's on the line. So at least put in some effort or you're going to leave yourself a bad impression. Absolutely. You don't have to explain anything. I feel that's another thing I would like to remove from society. This is <laughs> today's podcast is why did we start it? And also things I would like to remove from society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this podcast hopefully will solve all these problems by the end of season one, everybody. 
We are going to knock down barriers by ourselves in our separate locations, remotely, without going outside. Remotely, Um, yes. (laughs) But seriously, I would like to remove, how do I phrase it, the obligation that people feel to explain themselves. Because unless you do something wrong to a person that you need to apologize for, I don't think people need to feel obligated to message talk text call speak breathe near someone um because i found myself doing that recently where i was like oh and i'm so sorry for dropping off the face of the earth Mm -hmm. but you know i'm back and the person was like you don't need to you don't need to apologize that and i was like shoot you're right i don't because if they're gonna support you they're gonna support you whether you talk every day or whether you suddenly have risen from the grave and just decide to send them a message so those are two things I feel like we can solve, and together we will bring world peace. I, I mean, I don't know if, it'll, if it will cover all of the issues, but it will help. It will help, I think. Anything you want to get rid of in society? <laughs> I feel the need to explain this, and I don't relate to memes. Ooh. Like, you know the ones that are explaining something, like, and they're usually really sassy, they're like, I don't need you to contact me all the time because I know that you're busy or whatever it is. Like, you know, those kind of memes that are like trying to, they're trying to send a message usually to a specific person. I would argue. Yeah. I just don't, they, I, they don't encompass all that I feel about that particular Mm. area. That statement does not equally represent me. So I can't share those memes to get my point across. So I just wanted to start a podcast instead to talk about how I feel to say what I need to say. Because those don't do it for me. I think that's a really, that should be our mission statement on why we started this podcast. <laughs> it's because we don't, we don't relate to <laughs> contemporary memes. It's so true, though. Right, but it's just like. Yes. And I disagree with so many of them. Even the ones that seem super enlightening and seem like they are, a lot of people support it. I'm like. But it's so close-minded, especially the ones about friendship, where it basically says, you know, I know that you're busy, and so it doesn't matter that we haven't talked in so long. That doesn't work for every sort of friendship. Mm-hmm. You need to put effort in. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing I would just add to that is, yes, we get busy as we as our lives change. Yes, we won't be hanging out as often. Yes, there might even be distance, but distance is a hard thing in a friendship. But you still gotta you still gotta make that effort. You can't just assume it's gonna maintain itself, which I think is just where I would like to clarify that. Yeah, there is a difference between offering an explanation for something out of your control, such as like a depressive episode, versus dropping off the face of the earth and not explaining why. And Exactly. Like, I guess that goes back to, like, our 15 minutes ago when we were talking about friendship transitions. But I think if you establish that you're going to have a loyal and solid friendship, you need to uphold your end. That goes, like, that goes for, like, me speaking about myself and upholding the end, my own end of friendships. Exactly. Other people, like, reciprocating a friendship. Because I've had conversations. I like to talk. As you can tell, I like to to explain a lot of things before they happen. This is wow, that makes no sense. But like, I like to state boundaries 
and expectations so that I like to be upfront. Yeah, upfront. Well, what a simple way to say what I was going to say, but so that everyone's clear, everyone is clear on what's happening. And so I've had conversations where I'm like, this is what I expect myself to do. You know, what are you thinking about? I guess bringing to the table question mark. I mean, I, that sounds so like firm and lawyerly. Like, I mean, there's some flexibility, but like, if you promise to someone that you're going to be there for them and then you're not like that, mm, mm, I don't like that. That doesn't, I, that does not right, rub me the right way. It's betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> Just stab me in the back. Just leave me out there. Yes. I just like how you whispered the word betrayal into the microphone. It's like all my disappointment and sadness in that one word. In that one word. But you and I have talked about that at length over the last couple of years. And we've had some of those conversations, those upfront conversations for our own friendship. Yeah. And we've always been clear, I think. Have you felt the same way? I feel the same. And even now as we transition ourselves into... I would argue a business relationship Mm -hmm. because this is our podcast, which brings a whole new dynamic to our friendship because now we're working together. And sometimes friends don't work well together. I've always worked well with my friends. I've worked with my friends in other jobs that I've had before. And we are listening and compromising. And that's perfect. There's also a difference in my mind between those friends that you that you see like on the street, like you would say hi to them if you saw them walk by in the store. But then there's friends that you would invite over to your house on a Friday night or if you have Friday nights <laughs> off, which I don't always. Yeah, I don't always either. But yes, there's definitely like the acquaintances, the... That's it, the acquaintances. Yes. That one word you were looking for coming for you. But it'd be like, oh, hi, you meet them in the grocery store. Hey, haven't seen you in a while. Like, there's those type of friends. And then there's like, girl, come over. I have made kombucha. And we're going to sit and talk. <laughs> like, there are those friends. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so helpful to have those expectations. And then if you feel as though those expectations are not being met, something has fallen off the tracks, there was a miscommunication, whatever. It is so, so important to speak about that to bring that up because people can't read minds i've discovered this i didn't realize this i guess i mean that sarcastically but but people don't necessarily pick up on body language a lot of our communication is body language but i mean people don't read those signs and half the time those signs are in a text message so you you can't there's no body language it's it's even harder yeah yeah um so just just be like hey man hey um just feeling like like we might want to touch base on this fill in blank because i just feel like we might be disconnected in a way right and that hopefully will bring forward a positive conversation that will deepen and further the friendship the relationship whatever you're broaching and in as opposed to being like you didn't do this Accusatory. yeah i feel really upset about it and it's it's really negative be open be that sounded like a lamb i'm sorry (laughs) well the thing is at the end of the day you still want to be friends with them so if you're going to start this huge fight and you're going to be like negative and accusatory then they might not want to be your friend after it and then what have you accomplished then your ex-friends 
And also it can change how close you are. It can break that trust. Yeah. You're not going to want to spend as much time with them. Trust is a big, big thing for me. That's that's one of our core values. <laughs> trust. Trust. So if we were to summarize this in a mission statement, it'd be the ODA podcast, not to be confused by other ODAs that we've looked up. Ontario Dental Association. The Our Dramatic Assets podcast is here for breaking down barriers, promoting the creative industry, really establishing a foundation of trust both between us as producers and hosts, but also between our audiences and between our friends and relationship peoples. We want to be inclusive. I love that. So important. We want to open conversations that are hard, that you might not be comfortable talking about with your friends, your family, but we hope to talk about them so that you might be armed with some talking points so that you can go forward and breach those conversations to wherever you may need them. And we really appreciate your support and we thank you for joining us and we hope that this can be enlightening for you as well as humorous and fun to listen to did i miss anything no that is perfect thank you and stay dramatic so dramatic we will catch y'all later have a great couple of weeks peace and love don't forget to subscribe oh yeah subscribe to wherever you can get your podcasts and then also follow us on instagram ODA podcast. Okay. Bye, y'all. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Ryan. Bye. Bye.